Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., so yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yard shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming in your ear holes. A lot of cum in this ear hole. Got last breath in here, too. That's What are we? Are? We're five. We're five f- deep. That's ten ear holes deep in here. <laughs> that's a lot of ear it's holes. It's going to take a lot of noise to fill that. <laughs> We're coming at you from their studio. Uh, we asked them to podcast, and they said, yeah, come up to our studio, hang out. Um, got some gifts. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, these guys are super badass. Um, we owe them a lot. Uh, we're getting to the people to make this possible, and we're getting to the show. Homie, you got the VIP shout-out. Yeah, this week's shout-out is Alan Clark. 
Alan is a 10-year Army veteran and is a huge fan of us. Um, him and his buddies have just started their own YouTube channel, Blue River Bowhunting. So, uh, Alan, we appreciate your messaging, and um, hopefully you guys can get going there on your YouTube. And uh, best of luck to you this year, and we appreciate your service there for the uh, 10 years, man. Yeah, huge shout-out to Matt. Um, I know that you can't get out there and hunt, so uh, we're going to try to put a couple down for you. Um, a lot of does daylight, and that's all we got going yeah. on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like, send it. Yeah, Matt's like, send it. So uh, wh- wh- what's next? What uh, you, got? you got the list over there. I can't yeah. even see it. We'll switch it up here a little bit. Um, we'll cover Exodus. Uh, this week I want to cover the viewing screen. Um, that's something that I've been talking a lot about here lately. And um, we have a, we've been hanging a couple cams high, and that viewing screen comes in super clutch when you're trying to get the right angle. Um, it's not just, you know, a normal hang it three and a half foot off the ground. You know, you're pitching it down. You might have a stick behind it, or you're using a stick and pick that you're screwing into the tree. And that viewing screen comes in handy to make sure you got your trail cam pointed at the right angle. Or even when we hung it super low, because we kept getting tips, and yeah. then we're like, all this bushes are going to smoke us. So we were able to knock everything out. Where before you don't know what's gonna get you. You just hang it. You're like, yep. looks good. Yep, yep. Then, looks good. What? How many pictures I have? Too Th- many. Thirteen thousand or something <laughs> like that. Oh, thirty-three thousand. <laughs> Way too many. All right, I got Buck Book. This is the last one, guys. Um, check them out if you haven't yet. Um, they're helping out the brand. We appreciate you guys. Um, BuckBook.com. What do you got? Uh, Embry Custom Woodworking. Um, ECW season's coming in um we're ready to get the the grunt tubes out there and uh get them rolling again so he's got that that new that new design this year so anxious to get it going what else i can't see anything you got, i don't have the tv how about uh last breath tv oh yeah you guys want to hit your own ad read you Go got you're it, gonna Josh this gonna be the best read ever you guys are the professionals <laughs> no. but uh, what do i have 60 seconds here oh no you got it as long as you 60 want 60 seconds to lay it out uh oh shoot uh i don't know what should we say about our about our videos gents i guess the biggest thing would be um we try to put out a quality product um we try to kill as big of the deer as we can um we try to get and piece together the most high quality storyline that we can. And we think that that's of high value. And we think that you guys are going to really enjoy our stuff on YouTube and on Carbon TV as well. On Mondays, we release a video podcast. On Wednesdays, we release a Last Breath Live, which is our first attempt. I guess this will be our first year doing this, where we um, do a kind of week-by-week recap of what we're doing. So... Um, that's going to be fun for when the season actually hits and we start to kill stuff. On Thursday, we have Throwback Thursday episodes. On Saturday, we have our new episodes. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Is that it? Are it's we Ingram. done? Oh, Ingram. Oh, yeah, we can't forget Ingram, the OG. No. OG. Man. Wait, you guys got a new taxidermy sponsor, too, didn't you? Yeah. We did. Yeah. Super excited about it, actually. Where, where's he out of? Muscatine. Muscatine. Yeah got an iowa boy huh yeah he's nice. just got a really cool story behind him too nice uh but yeah that he, was your last episode right uh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you can check that out on the last breath hunt cast mm-hmm. um but yeah ingram ingram's outdoor obsession oneida illinois doors are open guys yeah, he's uh start dropping them off he's been with us from forever huge respect to that dude so i believe episode 11 yeah in the drunk days yes <laughs> yes all right let's get into the show we're gonna talk these guys are low-key. You guys probably don't know this if you don't watch their YouTube, but uh, they kill bucks in October over mock scrapes like it's going out of style, and I don't even understand it. 
They've told me before, but they got to retell me. <laughs> I'm excited to learn something. We tried. We got a bunch of mod scrapes in yeah. this year. So uh, we got to get the deets on what you guys are doing. Um, I want to cover a lot of stuff. We don't have a script, so I apologize. But we're going to cover where you set them up, how you set them up, why you set them up in that area, um, and uh, then just go over some of the success that you guys had off of these mock scrapes with cameras and with killing. You know what I mean? So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Um, we got three of you in here. Um, go ahead and introduce you real quick to the listeners, and we'll get into this. All right. Well, this is Garrett. Uh, I am one of the guys on the Last Breath team. Grant and I kind of started this, and I'm going to pass it on to him. Sure. So my name's Grant Putnam, and uh, like Garrett said, we started this um, adventure. We started filming our hunts when I was uh, 15 years old, I believe. So it's been about 12, 13 years of, of filming our adventures for Garrett and I. And um, I co-host Last Breath TV with Garrett and her co-own our media company, I suppose, and we put a lot of quality content out on YouTube, etc. And I'm an eighth grade math teacher by trade. So that's, I guess, uh, what my day job is. And, and that's pretty much all you guys, I guess, need to know about me. So I'm excited to be here tonight and talk about scrapes with all these guys and how you can use it to, you know, be a better hunter and maybe be more efficient this year. I'm Jesse, and I'm also a, one of the members from Last Breath. And... Uh I think we'll just end it there. So uh, let's <laughs> let's dive right into this thing. Yeah. Yep. All right. So mock scrapes, October. We're talking about October kills here. I mean, season's here, like tomorrow. You know, what I mean, it's time to really to go after it. You know, what I mean, and if if you're like me and homie, the the thrill of killing early is like it's like it's almost like a drug. You know, what I mean, you get all the stress off. We're a two buck state, so you get that kill. You're like, okay. You know, everything that I've worked for all year, I, I've got it done. Now I'm I'm hunting a giant or I'm, I'm going to ride it out and see what happens. You feel good. You know what I mean? You were successful. And uh, I know everybody that's listening to this is chasing for that early season kill. So how many bucks have you guys killed early season in the past seven years? You guys Boy, know? Off the top of my head, I've killed three. You've killed two. two. How many did you guys killed? Early? In October. Uh, I think, I'm off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I think it's like at least three. Yeah, so that's three three guys and you got, what, seven deer, you know what I mean, in October? Mm-hmm. Um, I got two deer in October, you know what I mean, and, and both on the same day, you know what I mean? But but it wasn't off scrapes. One did hit a scrape right before I shot him, though. Yeah. So, um I I do think that I knew that scrape was in the area over there, um, but it wasn't on my property, so I couldn't really get over there and scout it out, you know what I mean, or put a camera on or anything. But uh, going to, when you guys are setting up these scrapes, um, what what kind of areas are you setting these up? Because I feel like a lot of people go out, they're like, okay, there's bucks in this area, I'm going to put a scrape up, and then they get nothing on camera or nothing hits it. And I feel like 90% of it has to do with area, right? It's got to be in an area where the where bucks are, or I mean, are they are they hitting these scrapes in daylight on the edge of open fields, or what are you seeing? Um, well, I think for starters, we'll we'll start at the beginning before I answer that question. We think, and this is our theory, that there's really three type of scrapes that 
deer and specifically bucks use regularly that you see as a whitetail hunter in the Midwest. Um, the first one is one that we call a community scrape. Now this is that scrape that every hunter has seen sometime in their life. They're very large or huge or pronounced. So the ones that when you come back home, or you're talking with your buddies, you guys like, I came across a scrape that was the size of a deer hood and it was just tore up. And so this scrape is, is a, is a, marking in the timber or on a field edge. Typically they're in the timber that we found, but a lot of deer use them. Almost all deer actually use them. Does, bucks, and you'll see just a ton of traffic through there daily. Those are really hard to duplicate just because the amount of scent that's there and the diversity of scent that's there. So these are communal and it's 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 like it's like the cafeteria, you know? Your friends text each other all the time, but everybody sees each other in the cafeteria. Next, we have a territory scrape, and these are the scrapes that we typically try to mimic or duplicate and what we've become most effective at hunting over, and that is when you'll have a mature deer kind of rifle out his area. That's when he'll start chiseling, this is my home for the fall, and this is where I'm going to be predominantly laid up until he starts to really seek and chase. And then lastly is one we call a dominant scrape, and these ones are confusing, you know, you've watched deer in the field and let's say you've got, um, you know, several does and a couple bucks, even if they're younger deer, but you'll, you'll watch them like posture up, pin their ears back and they don't fight cause they're not quite there yet, but you'll see him just walk over to a, a low hanging branch and beat it up and scrape. And now he's not marking his territory. He's just kind of saying like, I'm big, I'm bad, I'm tough. You don't want to tangle with me. You know, he's not really looking for a fight. He's just, it's at the point where the guy you know, the two guys at the bar see each other and they're after the same girl and they're not really ready to fight yet, but he's like yelling at him like, Hey, don't you mess with me. So those ones are the hardest to read because you'll come across like, Oh, there's a scrape getting started here when really it was probably just a one-time use. The deer didn't even really leave much scent there. It was just him showing off. So covering those three things, when we start talking about where we put them, we dive into things as specific as not just location, but the tree themselves. It's really important, actually. And if you think about where you have seen natural scrapes, you got to roll back in your memory files and think about the actual physical trees, the species that they were on. A couple to stay away from are locusts and hedge trees. So they have thorns. You know, you have to think a deer uses, a buck uses his antlers and his orbital glands to leave scent up there. Well, I wouldn't want to shove my face in something prickly, you know. Um, and then something else to think about are, are really pungent trees. So locusts are very pungent, but so are walnut. And walnut are very prolific in our area. But if you've ever taken a, a walnut branch or a leaf and rubbed it in your hand, you know that smell that you can smell? It's almost sour. It's very overwhelming. Well, a deer really doesn't want to compete with that either because their, their noses are insane. So... So a scent like that almost overdoes it. Now, I'm not saying that they can't exist in these trees, but I'm just saying when I'm wanting to make one, I'm wanting to make it as inviting as possible. So I'm sticking away from deterrents that are naturally out there. So now that we got the species knocked out, our favorite is white oak, Grant. Um, and I mean, we found that there's two big reasons why white oak are amazing. And you and Matt just started some on your last breath live on the inner circle. And, uh, White oak are very malleable. The species itself, Quercus albus, um, it can take a beating. You know, the way that it grows, their branches are not very brittle. And even when the winter months and the fall months come and they dry out, you can still twist them and they're very hard to like snap off. 
So that's where you get the iconic licking branches. And then the other thing is, is that if you transplant a white oak branch to make a mock scrape, their leaves stay on nearly the entire season. Well, a lot of waterfowl hunters use them to brush in their blinds and et cetera. It's because the way that their buds, those leaves actually adhere to the branches, it, it fuses there. And it, you know, that's why they hold their leaves really long. They're very thick and durable leaves. So those are our target branches. And if you have natural ones, you're in the chip. So automatically, if I've got low-hanging white oak branches in an area that I know where I, there's either a deer living close or it's on a field edge or a food plot edge, I'm automatically drawn to it. Okay. So we went over species, you know, why you're putting it there. And one thing that we struggle with is we're like make a mock scrape, right? <clears throat> and it seems like from when we make it, is do you ever see a gap of time until they start using it? Is it like three days, a week? I feel like people make mock scrapes and then they run a camera on it for a week and then nothing shows up and then they're like, okay, this is shit and they move on. But I've seen it where you make a scrape and then like two and a half weeks, something starts hitting it and then it starts hitting it pretty frequently. Is that something you've guys seen? I think that that's all based on the time in which you put the scrape out. I think if it's in there and it's totally situational, does the deer bet on you? Does the deer feed on you? Are they there frequently? Um, but when I think of about the times that Garrett and I put up scrapes, um, the majority of the time, if there is a deer that is close in proximity to that scrape tree, like you are for sure like, okay, they're getting here like 10 minutes after sunset and they're beating up this, this branch here, then you can assume, at least we will assume on a, you know, a property of 40 acres plus that that deer is probably living there. If they're arriving within 15 minutes of, of sunset. Um, so I think that that's something to take into consideration. If you don't have any mature bucks or any bucks in general on your property and you're putting a scrape out, I think it's fair to assume that you're not going to see any activity on that mock scrape. But we've had deer hit our mock scrapes as soon as three hours after we've put them out. It just kind of depends on the time and how closely a dominant buck is bedded to a scrape that you're putting in. So we like to um, hold off on scrapes until about two and a half, three weeks before season. Like the weekend after Labor Day. Yep. That's that's the time clock. So we actually just put some out um, last weekend, which would have been September 15th, 16th-ish time um, for the first time. And so we already have some deer hitting them. And actually we found something interesting. Um, one of our mock scrapes, there's been a challenge scrape a natural scrape that is made next to it. And that was within a day or two of us putting it out. So I think it kind of varies depending on when and how the deer is using the property. But I think it could happen as soon as an hour after you leave or a couple of weeks after, you know, a deer is essentially finished carving out his home range. I think to answer the question though, to, it is important, I think, to have deer in it as soon as possible because you want natural scent activating it mm -hmm. as soon as possible if you use a quality attractant it'll last a long time without wash off or rain but part of that is is putting it in a high traffic area right you know we're not trying to duplicate a, a buck's territory i'm just trying to get his get his attention and earlier in september you'll probably have a chance of of getting those deer grouped up they just stripped velvet they're probably still in their bachelor groups etc but if you can kind of wait and like I said, around that, that weekend after Labor Day, that middle of September is when we really try to start putting them out. Um, and, and that's when they're, they're starting to break up. And, and they're really, they're still, you know, chummy with each other, but 
you know, the big guys are starting to drift apart and, and we're wanting to get their attention before they leave too far because they'll remember where it is. But to answer that question, I think it is important. Put it in a high traffic area because even if it's a little buck, he's in there reactivating it and keeping it alive. And then it's a matter of, of having a deer that you want to harvest or that's, that's a hit list, find it. And now you got something to work with because now you got some data, right? And then you can start compiling other scrapes around it to really start adding to it. That one you start may not be the end all scrape that you hunt on, but once you get a consistent deer in there and you realize, okay, he's coming from the North every time. So you move down the field edge, maybe to a corner where you go to the ridge. You think he may be betting on you plant another one there. And it's like, well, he's here a lot closer now and he's here more consistently. Okay. I'm starting to step on his toes. And then you plant that one. That's, that's the lethal one, right? Because if you do this correctly, use the same, scent as you go and in his mind he's going well that that buck was on the field edge and now he's moving closer and right now he he's he's he and how is he getting in here without me knowing yeah and so now you've gotten in his head and then it gets fun and you compile you know complement it with a cellular camera something gives you instant data and then you just wait so there's there's really no rhyme or reason as far as how far you're going to space out um a mock scrape uh, so that one <clears throat> is kind of situationally based. If it's on a field edge, I mean, we just put out a, several mock scrape, quote unquote, lines is what we call them. So a line for us is like between three and six scrapes. And the distance that we separate them, it could be 10 yards, it could be 80 yards, but it kind of just depends on that first scrape that we put in that we're like, okay, this is the best chance that we're going to have to kind of set the hook on a deer where did he come from based on kind of our trail camera data at that first set the hook scrape. Now let's make some on this field edge that kind of dissects, you know, we know we have another mature buck living here. We have one living to the East. We have one living to the West. This is kind of that fine divider line. So we have scrapes. We have, I don't know, as close as 10 yards, but we also, I mean, the mock scrape line we put out last week, we had one below our stand. We had one 10 yards up the, up the way we had another one about 20 yards around the corner and then 60 yards on another scrape which was a natural challenge scrape that we found in result to the original scrapes that we put out so i do um, think it's important to note though like the one that's 10 yards away so when we create some mock scrapes and more times than not often we'll we'll create one like take dirt make it bare create the licking branches and then we'll move down a little ways and we'll just expose the earth and we'll make sure that the under branches are groomed and we won't touch it. We're leaving it like it's like an, a car that's the ignition's on and the door's open. You know, like you got a guy that's racing next door and you walk up. Well, you want to race, too. It's, it's just inviting. We're not putting scent in both of them. We're giving him an opportunity to come into a well-groomed challenge scrape opportunity. Because once he has his own there, now he has a little bit more skin in the game to come back and check it. And and. You're, again, you're you're kind of creating the palette. You're not creating the scrape, but you're making it really inviting for him to make his own there. So j- you guys just put some scrapes out too, Jesse. Where'd you put them out? Give us the rundown. So we found we we found a spot where we thought there would be you know there was a lot of it's cornfield and a lot of deer are are knocking the corn down and it's like acres and there's probably two acres of corn that are just destroyed. Well, we found a good tree kind of out, out away from the field edge a little bit, 
on an inside corner and it just happened to be a maple tree and it was the branches were a little high so we went into the timber cut an white oak down and electrical taped it to the maple tree made the scrape and just opened it up and put some grave digger in it by code blue and we already have two shooters hitting it in daylight within uh, like three days of us putting it out. So it's just finding the right area and capitalizing on and making it work for what you want it to do. Okay, so we got the area, we got the tree, we got how we're going to set it up. Now, I feel like this is where we fail sometimes and where a lot of people fail. Okay, you got the buck on there. How, do you, how are you collecting this data? What's your process of, okay, I got this buck. I understand this is direction. We can bread trail them, but what else are you doing? I know you guys are running on video mode to try to get some more intel, but kind of break that down for the listeners. And what you're not only getting pictures of this deer, but you're getting a lot more. Oh, yeah. So go ahead and break that down. Uh, yeah, so well, we actually talk about this a little bit in that series that we have been creating uh, recently on our YouTube channel called The Image Autopsy. Um, and that's where we break down a bunch of these trail camera studies, essentially, so we know which way the deer is coming in, what time he's coming in at, what direction he's facing in the camera. Because I think one of the most notoriously things that I think every whitetail hunter is bad at is saying, I got a big buck on camera. I'm going to go hunt in that location because I got a big buck on camera. So I think you have to take all those factors into consideration when you get him on that trail camera for the first, second, third time. Um, but... In terms of like getting a deer on trail camera and what we're like looking for in terms of like when we're, I guess, trying to move in and the tactics, I would say that if we could get a deer within, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of daylight, whether that be very early in the morning before sunrise or very late in the evening after dusk, I think that that's kind of a telltale sign that they're betting close and they're getting, they're starting to be really angsty. If they're visiting our scrape that we're putting in, the very first thing they do when they stand up out of their bed, we're, all we're doing is waiting for that cold front, I guess, to, to pop them off and, and piss them off and set the stage. So, so I, I agree, you know, with everything you said. I think the the fing, fingle, the single biggest thing when you're running a camera on a scrape, which you should, if you have mock scrapes, I highly recommend to complement them with a camera, even if it's not cellular. And again, video mode tells you if if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a video is worth a thousand pictures. And that goes hand in hand with videos we edit and pictures we take also with trail camera. So those 30-second clips that you can, you can get, you read body language, you read his approach, you get, you get so much other data other than just the picture of an inventory. But the, the single most deadly thing that you can have is consistency. Even if that deer is coming at midnight every night, well, you know this is a local stop on his milk run. And when the time is right, when, when he can't even he doesn't even know what's happening but the daylight's lessening his testosterone levels are building and you're really waiting for like grant said that precursor to make him move in daylight he's a big old buck he's not an idiot but man you've got him sipping the good sauce and he is hot to trot he wants to know who's in here making this scrape and even though he's there like a deer that grant killed several years ago was a deer called lucky he's downstairs 160 some inch 10 point but that deer was there for like 17 days in a row. 
and uh, we never once had him daylight on camera. We had a lot, like the biggest cold front we had we'd ever seen. It was going to be in the twenties in the morning, and in like I would call it mid October, and we knew that this deer had been in there regularly. So, you, you we've we took all the data from the videos that we got. He was an aggressive deer. He would always get very bolstered. He would he would tear the scrape up, and if in there was any other deer in the camera at the time, he would have his ears pinned back. He'd be bristled up. You could just tell the guy owned his turf and it bugged him that he didn't know who was in here doing this um so you 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 read his by language you understand what he is and what he's doing you get in there when you know there's going to be a drive that's that's again instinctive that cold weather that it's that time is right we used a decoy we got in really quiet super early and then we just we just imitated a deer scraping like grant barely i don't even know if he really tickled the tines but we scraped the bark we shook some branches grunted we wanted to duplicate like a deer is working a scrape and a deer we, that he's never seen yep he's got mm-hmm. no idea who it is mr mystery but and, now he can hear him right yep. right and dude it, it was like th- literally three minutes granted just hung the horns up and then here he comes around the bend postured up pissed i mean 14 yards to the tree and nailed him and that is how you, you just have to i trying to take a I'm making a long answer out of an easy one, but just consistency reading the data and and using your camera more so for data collection rather than just picture collection. It's really cool to have pictures of deer, but when you break them down and homie, the podcast I just listened to what it was your goals, you've been keeping a chart similar like what Grant has done. You can be as analytical with this as you want. You have all of these pictures of this deer. Now you go back to Weather Underground or one of the other apps and you can see what the barometric pressure was why, what it was moving, you can see the wind direction, and you will see probably a pattern if you just start looking at this stuff and you go, man, he was here, okay? Every time he was here, this is a consistent thing. One of these things is, is in it, you know? I really like that you said that even if he is, you know, at, at, midnight. at midnight, you know yeah. what I mean? He's consistently coming there, you know, every day, every couple of days, and that's something we've seen. A lot of the deer that we kill... We have no daylight pictures of them, you know what I mean? And then, you know, something happens, whether it's a rut or a cold front or something, and then boom, you know, he he daylights. So everybody says they do move in daylight somewhere, but sometimes I, I don't think they do, <laughs> to be honest with you. They don't move 10 yards, 20 yards, but... but uh, We had Westside eating in front of the a lift two for 33 minutes straight. He did He moved four yards yeah. in 30, a half hour, like... yeah. I mean, literally how just how a much corn was roll. out there? <laughs> <laughs> it was bushes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the cam was not in. Bush cam? <laughs> no, it's pointing at the bush. This is a tree cam. This is a tree cam. Legit. Yeah. Legit. But, pointed uh, right at a raspberry, huh? Yeah. 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 He's just out there, you know, feeding, and everybody's like, oh, he's on destination food source at midnight. Nope. No. Just in the timber eating bushes for an hour. <laughs> not yeah. this time of day. You know what I mean? This year. So, so even even if it is midnight. I really like that you guys are on video mode. That's something that we picked up from you guys. Um, we have a ton of cameras on video mode this year. And just like you had said, Garrett, like that's something I've kind of shied away from in the past couple of years hunting that you know I hope to rectify this year is just be, don't let that midnight picture consistently get you down. Like you know, if, if you do have a cold front coming, like go in there and try to you know imitate a deer being in there. Or, you know, go in there and be a little aggressive, if it's, even if it's early. If you have the right conditions, you can go in there and, and still be successful yep. because 
just like we always say, deer do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's whatever the hell they want. Everybody's like, deer do this. They do this. No, they do whatever the hell they want. You yeah. know what I mean? And every deer is a little different. I think they have tendencies, but yep. from the buck, homie named a buck COVID. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 COVID uses the same area completely different than Westside. Backwards. Same wind, using it backwards. No, no clue why. Westside's using it way smarter. He's older, mm-hmm. but COVID's just rolling in there, daylight as hell, backwards over the wind. Westside's same same area, bedding in the same area, nocturnal, always using the wind. So bucks just do different shit. They just do whatever they want. You know what I mean? I'll say this. I think that you, if you run a lot of cameras, you guys have a ton of cameras. Like in November, a lot of guys will say, oh, he's daylight and it's time to hunt. And I think that is true because you have a stretch of days in November that when the deer is on his feet in November, and especially if you have a cell camera, get in there and get him. But in October, I think if you have a daylight picture, it's too late. I think a deer will give you an opportunity in, I'm talking pre, in October period, like even up to Halloween, mm-hmm. will give you one, maybe two chances. And, and you have to be there when he does daylight. Because if I was looking at our pictures, Grant, like last year was a perfect example. We had two different dates in October where at our lease and one of the days we were antelope hunting, um, it, it was lights out. I was yeah. going to say, because there, I don't know if, I don't know how it come across that if you guys shared on a story or something, but there was a buck that hit a scrape like three days in a row. Oh, yeah. And Cody and I were going back and forth. They're like, why are they not we hunting? We begged. I begged, Grant. <laughs> Jesse and I were in the truck like, dude, yeah. go hunting. Go hunting. Matt was going to, and he's like, no, no. Right, right on a scrape. Oh. Right it, on a scrape. Yeah. Now, here was the issue. So, the first two days, so there was a three-day run in which this deer called Marshall, which uh, our neighbor killed him, slapped him at a 53 yards with a crossbow was 161 as an eight with a kicker off his g2 so a big freaking eight pointer um he was in there and a deer we call steven was in there a deer with about 10 inch brow tines also probably in the 160s another awesome buck and uh, the first two days that went in there um well the first day matt couldn't get off on time and get up to me on time and so they they were hunting on a like a two-day three-day antelope hunt it was a long weekend kind of hunt and the second day, um, the wind was wrong, and they were like, go hunting, go hunting, go hunting. And on the third day, the wind was also wrong, given our trail camera data. And was like, you know. I just stood in the freaking corn. I realized, like, <laughs> <laughs> I realized that an opportunity could be had here, but it's it's very early, and I don't want to mess up our chances with this, with this buck, given the wrong wind. Because um, on back-to-back days, those days two and three, the wind was blowing right in towards where we thought that this deer was bedded and i did not want to go in there and bust him out for the rest of the season but hindsight's 2020 i suppose so i guess i should have gone but i uh the first day that the wind was going to be right i had the opportunity to go in there and self-film but i just didn't think the film was going to be quality and i didn't want to let these guys down with not getting the shot on film because self-filming is a mother and uh we're not we're out there to kill them on video and you know yeah, and I think not ditch the camera. I think so. you guys had just freshened that scrape or something. We just put it out. Yeah, j- just started it, and um, that was like the final hook for me. I'm just like, next year we got to get our shit together and get it going. You know, yeah. like I mean, dear daylight in October prime. I'm just like, you know, let's spend the money and just do it. Mm. So, thank you for that. Hopefully, 
hopefully it's going to pay off here. <laughs> and I want to just full disclosure really quick, and I know Jesse's got something to say, but we don't put all of them out in September. So that with that case, we had been running cameras regularly, and I'm like, all right, this deer moved in. He carved out his area. And then we went and put the scrape in. You know, September ones are we're trying to pull them out and make them appear, you know, where if you get into that early October scrape that you're making a mock, it's because you have some reason to put it there. You've got those pictures of the deer, and you're like, man, I, th- mm. I think he's bedding here, and I can get here without boogering him, and I'm going to plant a seed. So that's what that scrape was. Grant and I had groomed this entire edge of the field, just like similar to what you and Matt have done at your scenario, Jesse. And we had pictures of this deer in velvet. He stripped it, and he stayed, which is very rare. So we went hardhorn, Stephen did, and then mm-hmm. put it in. Well, lo and behold, Marshall had moved in, which was a cherry on top, and uh, that's that. I just I don't want to give the illusion that all the scrapes you put out are in September. Like we do keep some cocked and locked and ready to put them in October, early October. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It was, it's past. Go. It's not. <laughs> he said it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. I forgot it. That's me on the podcast. I just forget how to punctuate words most of the time. <laughs> all right. So uh, one question that I have personally, and I'm sure some listeners have also, you're running these mock scrapes you know, maybe close to regular scrape or something. Are you setting up a scrape within shooting distance every time? Or are you... If we and can. Then, and then on top of that, your cameras. So two-part questions. How are, are you running these cameras right on top of these scrapes, 10 yards off these scrapes? Are you trying to hide them anyways? Are you, are you noticing that they're finding them? So cover the cover the first one. So if you're setting up four or five scrapes... You're always putting a scrape within shooting distance, correct? Yes and no. I think it depends on most of the time, yes, if we can, can if we can make the situation work. But it all depends on where that buck is bedding according to where your stand location is. So I killed a buck. Well, it's actually the last buck I killed. Um, he, we basically knew, we knew where he was bedding. Our tree stand was placed um, in a specific area, and we were in between his bedding and the scrape. So he had to walk past us to go to the scrape, and the scrape was like 60 yards behind us. So, I mean, technically, if you wanted to shoot 60 yards, you could, but... You had kind of made a destination for him, knowing where he's bedding, you're in between. Exactly. We we cut him off at the pass, to say, but most of the time, yes, within... 25 to 30 yards most of the time closer but yeah i feel like where i like in my in my mind like if i wasn't positive of where a buck was betting and i had some scrapes i'd be afraid to put one right by my stand because i don't know how he's going to access that you know what i mean so if in my mind if you could have one that was 60 70 where you knew that you were going to be, if he's bedding in two different places, you knew that you'd be safe there from your stand, then you could grunt or call or at least get a visual and then verify, okay, he's coming from the south, then make your move. But that's why I'm all not killing shit because I'm always waiting for someone to show me something instead of hopping on it before. Right. You know what I mean? But that's that's me being safe. That's why I want to know, are you setting it up right there? But you're running the trail cam daddy, so you kind of have an idea of how they're accidents. But for a guy that's like, Something's hitting this scrape. I'm not sure where he's bedding. You know what I mean? I feel like that would be pretty raw to just be like, 20 yards from the stand. Here we go. <laughs> I don't know where this thing's coming from, but it's going to hit it eventually. Um, 
I would say that almost all of ours that Grant and I put out are within sight distance, like Jesse was saying. Because I will say this, just what you were talking about, being safe, you can be cautious, but a deer that's going to a scrape is also really callable because he wants to know what's making it, and just like we talked about before, he doesn't know. So, so like Josh, Josh was a deer that I killed really early in October, and we were able to watch him get out of his bed the night before, and that's when we moved in. But we had a scrape there that we got him on, and one little grunt brought him right over. I mean, on, on a October eighth, yeah, ninth. I've I've rattled bucks in in October, like yeah, seen him in the morning, not sure what it is, tickled a little bit, and they've come over, and I've got a better look at him. You know what I mean? Yep. And I don't know if it's going to work on a giant old maturity or, you know what I mean? But I've done it with three and a half year olds and been like, man, was that a shooter or not? I want a second look, you know what I mean? And, and they've come over and then that one I killed on October 15th, I think he got bumped by a combine was completely out of his element. I grunted it at him. He snort wheezed at me, postured, did a scrape. October 15th, he was ready to battle. Nice. I think he was just had no clue where he was at and was like, I'm about to whoop some ass and make sure I can hang out around here. You know what I mean? But had no trail cam picture of that deer. Killed him, what was like four in the afternoon on October 15th. It's like 55, 60 degrees out. Just boom, he's here. You know what I mean? And so what, but, that's what I'm saying. Those October deer, when they daylight, they're not, that deer shouldn't have been there, right? No. Yeah. But you were there the time that he did. Yeah. I think those October daylight bucks, like you got to be there when they show up. Because it's not going to happen very often. No. But put that in November 15th, yeah, that deer would be there for like three or four days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Traditionally. Yeah. So. We're seeing, like, where we're hunting, we're, the bucks are there for like seven days in that area. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. insane how long they're hanging out. But we, 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 we literally get to see them come in, and then they're there, and they're there for a week. And then they roll out. We get to see them week, roll 10 out. 10 days, gone. It's insane. That's just running so much trail cams. You get you catch him and then what you get that rolling out picture and then he never shows back up you're like okay we know exactly what you're gonna do yeah. next year close to it you know what i mean we got a way better idea but okay now what was my my second part oh the are you hiding the are you hiding the cams how far away you're putting them what what's your game plan there so want to make sure that this is well known we're we're hunting all private so we're not on we're not on public like you guys are and uh so we don't have to quote unquote Hide them. I was as just talking about you guys like, are. from the deer. Because I feel um, like, but I feel like when we put the mobile on the scrape at the scrape tree, right on the tree, oh, yeah. we have less deer hit it than if we move it away. And we moved it away this year because the first year we had it a tree back. Yeah, I feel like the first year was a lot better. And it was than better. It was last and then year. last year we moved it on the tree, and it was pretty garbage. And we had the same bucks that should have been hitting it, and they yeah. weren't. And, and they did hit it a couple times, and then they were done. They did, and then if I feel like once past October 20th last year, they just were literally not even focusing on that and were just worried about getting back into cover mm-hmm. and just bypassing that, that tree, where the year before when we had it, a tree back, not, not, not the best for pictures, but the deer were hitting it, and we were at least getting until, well, there's a buck there, but can't see what buck it is because just the situation of how it's set up so then that's why we try to move it up yeah on the other tree now. yeah so now this year we have a pick and stick with a mobile 15 yards back yeah and i mean it's early but we've had deer hitting it and they're not looking at the cam i feel like every deer when it's on that tree we're like looking yeah. right at that camp right. so i didn't know if that's something that you've got to notice and also i think that had to do something with the neighbor moving that ladder stand really yeah. close to there right changing the way that they're moving you know what i mean 
Um, so it's hard to say if it was them seeing the cam, but I know a lot of people say that they see the cams. We have deer that freak out, and then we have like Westside thirty three minutes, three foot in front of the camera. Yeah, where you can't, you can see like half of his rack for part of it. You know, what <laughs> he's I mean? that close. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, that yeah. close. Jesus. I'll show and, you when we get. And down. the video is like nonstop, like. 30 seconds. 30, 33 yeah. minutes of 30-second videos. There he goes, a card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, On video. Is that something that you guys are seeing, or, or are these bucks not not caring a lot? I'll, I want to let Jesse talk on this, because those guys get some of the best trail camera video Yeah, you of do deer. get some they insanely do. good scrape video. But I will say this. We almost never put it on the scrape tree for two reasons. First, like, scrape branches should be really low. I mean... And we, because we didn't get in talk to talk about the construction of how we do it, but really our our branches are so low, you would have to have the camera pretty low to catch it. So it's it's bad for intel. But then again, just like what you're saying, when a deer approaches a scrape, he's he's literally looking right at it. So if the IR lights turn on, if it makes a noise, I mean that's a dead giveaway. He's staring right at it. But we always like we'll, and I'm going to let you talk about this because we put stick and picks out. Usually Grant and I do to horizontally film it. And I mean, what's your go-to setup on scrapes? So usually, and, and like, if you guys know us, you know the uh-oh buck and, and phantom, but specifically the uh-oh buck, like we, Matt and I put that scrape out and within four hours, that buck was there. So that was the first cam- or the first deer on the card and it's a 16 inch drop time buck. But anyway, it was on the next tree over from the scrape. So it wasn't on the scrape tree. It was just off of, you know. And the same way with Phantom, when he approached it, he approached it from, you know, horizontal and looped in, and he didn't have to stare right at it. But yeah, so just not on the same tree, because most of the time, like Garrett said, those scrape branches are so low that the wind's going to blow, it's going to trigger the camera, and you're going to get a bunch of misses. If you back it up, maybe, you know, three, four, five yards, you might, you, you they won't be so low as the camera looks at it. And the deer aren't going to be staring at it in the face. Yeah, I, that's where we messed up. Because I feel like if a deer is approaching a scrape, he's on high alert. Like, he's smelling, he's looking around, seeing if it's been hit, you know. And he walks up there and, boom, there's a camera, you know. I mean, he's like, well, shit, that wasn't there, you know, a couple of days ago. But I feel like people see a scrape, and I was guilty of it in the past. They're like, oh, got to get a camera right on this thing, you know what I mean? And then you might get, like, one or two pictures of them, and then you don't get anything else. So you're like, what the hell? And I feel like a lot of it is the camera being right there or you're sitting there. I don't know how much that plays a factor in, in scrapes, but um, it doesn't seem like to us that the scent really matters. We'll pull cams and then a deer be there like three hours later. It's it's yeah. weird. But then you're hunting. It's like they almost know that it's old. They're like, oh, that's it's three hours old. We're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think there's something to be said about the contamination factor just with – you know, human scent in general. If you guys think about where you store your trail cameras, I mean, we're all big believers in, we try to be as scent free as possible when we go in there and also play the wind. Like I feel like the, the four of us, the basic mindset is across the board, whatever we can do to get an advantage on a deer, we're going to do it. So all four of us take scent showers and spray down and make sure we are scent free as possible. And I think if you think about a trail camera and how it's stored in the off season, what's going to sit in your garage. And even if it's in a tote, it's going to collect scent from that tote and from the other cameras. So I think there's something to be said about not necessarily putting it on that scrape tree, the actual tree that the scrape is under for, like Jesse said, you, 
you know, these scrapes are three feet off the ground. You got to think of the height of a mature buck and what the, when they're going to rake it and get into it, three, four feet max. It's not like they're seeing eye to eye with us at like about six feet tall. Um, so I, I do think there's a factor there of kind of cheating it off the scrape tree and using a stick and pick or a fence post or something like that to get it off of that tree. So like you said, when they're approaching the scrape, they're not looking directly at it. They're not being freaked out when they're scraping that, oh, there's a light flashing at me or something like that. Because most like, you know, um, lower grade trail cameras, like guys like all of us, like we have a couple lower grade trail cameras. Everybody does because nobody can afford the $400 like Reconyx or something like that to put on every tree 30 times. But you know, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we have one or two that do, that do have like a, a white flash or an infrared flash that, that, you know, could spook a deer, like you said, Cody. So we try to cheat it off if possible. Yeah, I mean, five yards, you got to think the scent factor is a lot less than one yard, you know what yeah. I mean, right in his face, and he's trying to figure it out. So, you know, you, you got you got all the intel, you got this buck coming in, you got the scrape. How frequent are you guys refreshing that scrape? If if he's doing it himself, are you guys even going in there and messing with it? Or if it if you got one that died, maybe you had bucks hitting it for a while and it dies. Are you going back in there and hitting it again? What's your what's your process there? This could be in season, before season. Uh, what what do you got going on there? I mean, I I'll speak on our behalf, but typically once a deer starts to use it and freshen it, we're done. He's already got we've got him. There's no reason to go in there and mess it up. If he's maybe being a little bit less consistent than we want. Or potentially, if it does go cold for a couple days, I'll give it a second chance, and we'll go in and freshen it back up. This is a great opportunity when season is in, and you're either going to go walk past it to go hunt it, or you're just you're you're going to go buy it anyway. You know, often more times than not, these smaller pieces you do walk through some of these areas, so it's a good chance to, to freshen it up, check the camera, boom, get on the way. But if he's if he's in there and he's liking it, yeah, don't touch it. Leave it alone. He, he's he's happy. That's all you need to do. I feel like a lot of people don't do that. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, we're gonna piss him off. I need to get in you, there you guys, and freshen like, it up. Uh oh, how many times did you freshen that scrape? I mean, just a couple. But I will say that like, I might we might not necessarily, you know, freshen it up. But uh, if we walk past it and you know Buck is using it and we walk past it and there's leaves in it, all kick the leaves out and, and not put any scent in it just to just to say hey yeah it's it's a visual factor of something there's here. something's here but yeah. uh i don't smell anything new but i'm gonna piss in it anyway yeah sir yeah i i feel like there's a lot of guys out there that are like i got this buck in it every two weeks i'm gonna go out there and and i don't know if that's like mock scrape companies trying to sell more product or what it is i don't know what that, <laughs> what it is but i feel like a lot of people do that I see yeah, a lot of that yeah. on social. They're like, we got this mock fired up. We're going to keep it going. And I feel like if a buck's in there hitting it, it's pretty solid. He's you know happy, I mean? man. Yeah, he's, don't, don't mess up his groove, solid. you know? So let's kind of flip to a, a different end of this spectrum here. <clears throat> let's say you're going into a new area and you're, you know, you're not really sure if there's deer in the area and you do have a mock scrape. How long would you entertain that? running that scrape i would say for us it kind of depends on the time of the year and i know that's a you know kind of wish-washy kind of a vanilla answer but 
Um, if it's in October and there's no deer that has hit it by October 25th, I, I would say abandon ship. I think for us, a lot of that tipping point happens like the 20 to the 25th of October. And if there's a deer that's fired up, that's going to create, like Garrett said earlier in the podcast, a territory scrape where they're carving out a net. I think that they would have already done it by that point. We would have already had a trail camera data of that deer at that point. So if we go in there and throw a new one in, and if he hasn't touched it or there hasn't been any, been any activity on it on October 25th, then that just means we need to reevaluate our game plan. We need to rehang a camera. Um, that That is kind of my opinion on that, um, kind of based 100%. up on the data that we've collected. Because most of our opportunities happen between – I would say consistently like the 12th and the 20th for our, it's like the October lull that people think about, but that, that cold front in there seems to be mm-hmm. our most deadly one for mock scrapes specifically. And, and something we haven't talked about yet is like, you guys literally just did this, Jesse, but if you hunt a farm, you'll know there'll be scrapes in certain areas every single year. And, and knowing that, like whether you've visually seen it last year, you mark it on your on your GPS, on your Onyx hunt stand, whatever, but beating those deer to it make it way more lethal. Like the 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 scrape that we used to kill Lucky, he it was his scrape the year before. So again, we're hunting private. We understood this deer was four, he had his own home area. We knew that he, we had him on camera on this scrape as a four year old. Well, we beat him to it this year, you know? And and that just gets it you're adding up all these little details to, to stack to your, you know, lethality here. You're taking into consideration his mood, his mindset, where it is. You're making sure it's the right tree. And now you already know all this stuff. It's in the right place, the right tree, the right location, height, et cetera, because you did it there last year. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mock scrapes don't have to be virgin dirt. You know, they'll look like it maybe when you go to make it in. But, you know, he, he had one here last year. There was a big one here in this corner last year. Beat him to it. Yeah. I killed a nine-pointer on public. I don't know what year that was. Had to be 14 14. or 16. Yeah, 15. Anyways, on on Halloween night, and I had made a scrape like two or three days before, and that deer had rubbed like seven, eight trees around this scrape. was just absolutely pissed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm killing this deer tonight. Seen one doe and that buck going right to that scrape all night and shot him. You know what I mean? So uh, one mock scrape. I think I used... uh, was it Conquest? What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> it was, you know, it was something that was hot at that time. I didn't know shit about scents. I'm, I've never been a giant scent guy, you know what I mean? But I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. Right. But that's like the only deer I've ever, like, killed off of a mock scrape. But it was super cool to, to piss a deer off enough that you know in the last two days all this stuff popped up. And you're like, man, if he's making this much sign, this dude's, he's in the area, you know what I mean? He's super pissed. And then to kill him it was super cool but long story on that deer savagery yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah i had to i hunted a public that was is just absolute sad. i had my stand took down and a note placed on it with a phone number to go find the rest of my stand <laughs> michigan guys are brutal dude <laughs> jesus yeah but i ended up killing the deer because he got took my stand down so thank you appreciate it <laughs> your so. hater was your motivator on that yep. deal yeah all right man you got anything else you got any in driving questions that you need to get yeah, in? just one more is um will you guys ever shift to estrus scent in a scrape at all i know you said they're october 25th you're kind of abandoning ship if it's not going so 
so we'll keep our scrapes freshened through like I would say the 5th of November, but I would say that's when we kind of stop freshening them on our way in and out of hunting. I think that was one of your questions earlier was how do we freshen these scrapes? How do we go about it? I think it's safe to say that most deer hunters, if they're hunting a property over like 10 acres, they're going to have multiple stand locations for, you know, a variety of winds and for Garrett and I on our way in and out that's when we freshen scrapes that's when we check cameras etc so we're nice and quiet spraying our boots down um, and everything like that trying to not scent up the area too much and we're doing that in and out but after november 5th unless there's a deer that returns to that scrape that we're like okay he survived gun season for illinois you know gun season's gonna fall between the 15th and like the 24th somewhere in that uh, time frame depending on the date and how um, the calendar lays out that particular year um, after that if they return to a scrape like post rut we're just kind of using that to say okay thank goodness they're still alive like they made it through it's not necessarily a, like a let's pattern the deer after this and let's try to kill them on a scrape in late november or early december it's more of okay he lived but i, I would say november 5th we're kind of uh, stopping our yeah usage of scrapes and freshening them on our part to compound on that i think when you ask that question homie understand the phenology of a whitetail buck like his life cycle so estrus traditionally does don't come into estrus until fifth is early really because that's when bucks traditionally start chasing they're always anomalies but and matt and jesse have had success using estrus and scrapes however that's after you know, rut or during rut, I would, I highly recommend never to use any type of estrus, imitation estrus, hot dough before November. It just, it doesn't make sense. A deer is going to smell it and not understand it. It's not right. Okay. But to what Grant was saying and how Matt and Jesse have used it in the past, you know, bucks will revisit those scrapes. You'll find them fire back up because they're seeking those last hot does. So I think, yes, your deer survived, your hit list survived, didn't catch up with him during the quote-unquote rut. We're coming into that secondary cycle. He's he's run down, but he's a big mature deer. He's seeking out the last hot does. By adding estrus to a scrape in mid-November, you're giving yourself an opportunity. You're giving him a reason to stick around now, right? Boom, there's a doe in estrus. Oh, it's one of the last ones. Now you have a chance at him maybe staying closer to that because he wants to try to find that doe. But I would, I would never put it in, even before like the 10th of, of November, I don't think I'd ever put estrus into a scrape, me personally. Other guys have their own methods and methodologies. This is just what we do. Yeah, I've never had any luck with any estrus scent or anything like that. I don't use it, so I guess if you don't use it a lot, then you're not going to have <laughs> luck with it. But I tried it for a long time. But I was thinking about when I was trying it. I don't know what the hell I was doing out there anyway. So it's probably a lot of compounding factors <laughs> to my. It's like the lottery, man. You non-success. know, I want to. I want to win, win the lottery, but you have to play to win. Yeah, it's kind of like all these things that are out there. You know, you 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 never had success with it because you never used it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I've heard of people like, you know, the classic, I just threw ticks, Tink 69 on my oh, boots yeah. and I walked right to my stand and like a zigzag pattern and this 187 <laughs> just popped out right in front of me at 13 <laughs> yards and I whacked him. You know, like, I I feel like... The good know, old boy story. Yeah. The good old boy story. Yep. I feel like I know that there's story. a lot of those out there, man. I'm... Every deer is different. There's probably some deer that gets horned up. He's like, oh, yeah, the old 69 girl's out. (laughs) (laughs) I remember her from last year. (laughs) She's prime. 
I'll tell you this, though. So a lot of people say they got lucky. But people who work hard get lucky more often. You ever notice that? Yeah. Like you guys are both two of the most humble men out here. They probably are the, just equally as humble sitting right here next to me. And, you know, sometimes people dismiss sec- success off as luck. But the guys that work hard often seem to get lucky a little more often, right? The only way I can kill is luck. I got to have a f- ass load of that shit. <laughs> you got like 190-some <laughs> inches of it. I got to have a lot of luck, man, because it's... Uh, so I wish someone would follow us around and film everything, and then people would be like, these motherfuckers ain't killing anything. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't killing anything. There's no way they're going to kill anything. About shot a 138-pointer <laughs> four minutes before a 190. <laughs> <laughs> the if scope's on luck, him. The, that ain't luck. The scope's on him, is. and I'm like, ah, nah, <laughs> shit. Yeah, just passes 138. You're a dumbass. <laughs> You've been bitching for how long? <laughs> but we we went. You gotta seen homie's legs on the last trail camera pool. I thought oh. I was gonna have to carry him oh, out, dude. man. Oh, it was. <laughs> I wasn't even like winded. It was just my legs were gassed. It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was dude, bad. dude on the bike for like 35 minutes a day, just done out there. I'm like, well, nine one one. Jesse's worst enemy are trees. Yeah. Oh, I wish people would follow you and Matt around. Yeah, if that's a true story, I, I've told Matt multiple times. If somebody were to follow Matt and I around with a video camera, we would have a reality TV show because it is absolutely. Re- I, I was cutting a tree down this year to make a shooting lane. It falls on top of me. <laughs> Two years. No. Two years ago. Four years ago. Was it? Was it, it was four years ago. Jeez, that was a long it was time. in November, and we were hanging a new set to kill a deer, and we cut a tree down, and it knocked me out. <laughs> just cold out, black out. <laughs> Blacked out. So we get to, I get this video from Matt, and Jesse's knocked out freaking cold. And I'm like, dude, don't you think you should check on him? No, good friend of Matt's like, first instinct, I got to take a video <laughs> yeah. of this guy. Holy. And you killed out of that stand. Yep. Jesus, yeah. yeah. The old knockout thing. He said, but yep. I just want to bring knockout that up because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that you got to be perfect to kill these deer. You got to do everything right. And somehow we kill every year. That, and it's and it does, it's a disaster. That battery debacle we had that we talked about a couple yeah. episodes ago. When you put <laughs> all the same batteries in your pocket. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. We had 16 batteries in the Dude. pocket. 615. 50%. It's yeah. like basic probability. Yeah, we, yeah. One of these marbles is black. The <laughs> yeah. other 15 are red. I'm like, I there. only got to pick eight good ones out of 16. <laughs> nope. Mosquitoes are biting us and shit. We're like, ah. Didn't yeah. didn't hang anything. No, we woke up at five in the morning to go out there. It's six fifteen. We're heading home with two <laughs> less cameras out in the woods than we started the day with. That's how it goes sometimes. We got he's a like, battery test. Like, now. Yeah, the wife will be happy. Uh, you're home early. I'm like, yeah, but there's always a positive, man. <laughs> oh, you gotta man. stay positive. But yeah, you you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a mad scientist. You just gotta. Put work in and get lucky. But if you run mock scrape like these guys, it's yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's gonna help you out a lot. So, um, if you guys haven't heard during this podcast, these guys are super knowledgeable. Um, their YouTube contents incredible. You can learn a ton from that. The Moultrie series you guys just released an ass load of knowledge in there for mm-hmm. people that want to understand running trail cameras on a higher level level to pattern deer and kill them. You know, that's a lot of people. Well, I just running trail cameras to pattern deer, but then it never happens. You know what I mean? You don't. You yeah. you're out there. You get the deer pictures, but you never can put the pieces together. They're and that's not, like 
they're not looking at the weather underground and yeah. back it all up. They're not looking at the way he's coming in. They're not looking at the dough picture. They're not running on video. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of steps that you guys are doing that's different, and it shows in your success in October. And Mock Scrapes, the reason we had you on is last year we're sitting here, like homie said, the bucks are daylight, and you're sharing it, and we're like, we ain't got shit going on right now, dude. <laughs> yeah. These guys got bucks daylight in like a mug, and we got nothing. <laughs> what are we doing different and then we're like, oh, well, they got mock scrapes going. They're like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna hunt tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, we got we got no mock scrapes going, so we gotta we gotta try. That's what yep. we're trying. We'll see how it goes this yep. year. It might work, might not. We, Before we but, wrap this up, Cody, I want to ask you a question. If I don't know, this seems bad. <laughs> this is. This, I'm gonna make a, a bet if you take it. I've never grown my beard out longer than like my five o'clock shadow. If I kill a deer before you. You have to terrible shave. bet. You have to, <laughs> that is a terrible bet. You have to shave your beard. If you do before me, then I will let it grow out for forty days. No, I'm going to be gone the first There's, thirteen days of no, October. No. You have a head start. I still ain't got a shot. You get hell. to hunt thirteen days. Garrett, you're solid because uh, he's a gun hunter. <laughs> yeah, I don't kill till gun season. Yeah, What's, what what day's muzzleloader season this year? That's what I need to know. That's my best chance. You're not taking that bet. Nah, man, that's a, right, that's a trash you, bet. Do you and Grant go 50-50, Switch every other hunt. Um, if it depends on how my elk hunt goes, but usually we do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's like I'm out. I'm oh, out. Oh come on, I'm out. <laughs> Can't do it. That's a garbage bet. <laughs> I got better odds at the bar slots. <laughs> slots or slots? So uh, well, either one. <laughs> God, I, I thought I'd get you to bite on that. No, I can't do that. I mean, the beard isn't that big of a deal, but I just know I'll, I'll lose. And then I'll just be I like, would literally contemplate I'm a failure. eating my first tag on like a, a small deer <laughs> just to watch you shave your freaking beard. Right. Grant and I would have a pow and be like, all right, this two-year-old just doesn't look like he's going to turn into Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cole, man. He's a cool he's a I, Hey, buck. I got the wide six in my back pocket. <laughs> Don't, See, right don't there. <laughs> if we if it goes too hard, I got two buck tags. I'll take yeah. down a ninety inch six pointer all day. <laughs> <laughs> the white six is going down. He's daylighting too. Yeah. Me and homie were like, we're not He's shooting daylight. that. I said December third ain't killed shit. He's like, it's gonna look pretty tasty out there. It's gonna look pretty tasty. <laughs> Always wanted a big six out here. <laughs> <laughs> December third, that thing looks real solid. Yes. Oh. All right, oh, we got anything shit. else? <laughs> I don't think no so. No other side bets? But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> side bet out of I ain't betting field. on me killing anything. There's got to be a year where I don't kill shit, so I'm just prepared for it this year. Are you guys going to Missouri this year? No. No? We missed it. We missed opportunities up here. No, but heavy daylight. And we knew. We knew. I, I, yeah. On the way down there, I said, well, you know, we're going to have some shooter daylight. And we just happened to have the mobile on the scrape tree. And um, Cody killed early in the morning and we stopped at the gas station got some ice and stuff for the cooler going out for the afternoon hunt and it's literally 437 or 430 ish and mobile goes off <laughs> cody said here it is open it up bud heavy 25 yards from the stand yeah <laughs> perfect win everything yeah it money was, it would have been prime and but, uh, we would have probably actually hunted yeah there. we we knew he, that's the only place that he was hitting that property so bright would have been there because yeah. uh, we didn't have anywhere else to hunt really because you know, everything shut down and only one piece of private. So we'll see. I think late season's our best bet, to be honest with you. Um, rut or late season? Our late season should be gold, hopefully. We'll see. The new piece is real rough right now, but 
so many sheds on that thing, man. Things Unless they change. show up in January, like 30th, and they're <laughs> shedding, you know, they're just not there all year. It's probably my luck. I'm banking this property up. No trees, hella sheds. I think the, I think the neighbors will be done hunting early, you know, yeah. like middle of November, and then the pressure will be kind of laxed off, get through November, and then I think... No gun hunting on the neighbors, exactly. either side. Help out. You know. You know we'll be in there with a gun. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll be right in the middle, <laughs> slinging lead. <laughs> out the wagon, blind yeah, homies just yeah, handed yeah. him new yeah, shotguns. Yeah. I'm going to pull that thing right out in the center of that field and put it right in front of the guy it, that actually, hung a tree the, stand. The right best thing about this place is I already would. got junk shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. There's there's junk machinery everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, they're just yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. They're gonna be like, yeah, this Take is a just playbook normal. out of Matt and Jesse's uh, playbooks. Yeah, yeah when you when you were in that freezer or whatever oh. you were last year, I was dying on Snap. I'm like, what is this guy doing? We we killed that nine pointer. Uh, we used a bale of wire as a blind once. That yeah. was pretty cool. So we just find whatever works and how make many, it work. How many guys have you? How many bucks have you guys in the last five years killed off the ground? Is it is it five or is it six off the ground? I don't, I don't even know. I've lot. lost count. Enough. I've lost I'm like, count. I'm like oh, Jesse, Jesse and Matt doing something stupid, gonna kill. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he hopped in that that square. Like, yeah, the square like thing. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's gonna kill tonight. That's yeah. dumb as hell. <laughs> it's, sure. up, it's upsetting because we <laughs> it's upsetting. we broke down this year and the ground and pound spot we hung. We hung a tree stand, so man, we was. might just have to never in. gonna kill there again. We might just have to. We might just have to jump in the hole as, a, as you know another one for the memories. But yeah. we hung a tree stand there, so or, it's hard. Mark my words: if there's a deer daylighting in October or November, and Matt Bartlett has more than three days off and a fucking oil barrel, a fifty gallon <laughs> yeah. drum, he's gonna sit in there and peekaboo a booner's ass. Just yeah. hey, yeah, I'm sitting out in this oil barrel tonight. I got a deer on daylight, boys. I'm gonna go in there and whack his ass. Yeah. People like the seventh or eighth deer he's killed off. The fucking people have these mobile unreal. sets or whatever in the back of their truck. We we just find like a hole or a a bale of wire to hide behind. <laughs> yeah. a, ditch. So, a ditch. A ditch. Yeah, whatever. Whatever we can. That's all get. we got on the new property. Ditch banging for real. Don't let Matt come on there. He will kill a buck. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is set up just for you guys. Yeah, ditches and nothing else. Treeless. Yeah. There's like short trees. We had a lot of property with no trees. Like a lot of bushes, though. I would say I'm looking for a bush deep in it. Bush cam. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people stopped listening like eight minutes ago. They're like, ah, I shut this shit off. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are morons. All right, you guys got anything to to say before we leave? Just we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Oh hell, we're at your studio recording yeah, a podcast right? for us. We appreciate you guys, man. Uh, uh, yeah, the devil's in the details. Our image autopsy that's coming off. Episode number 13, that's Phantom. And this is the most savage shit I've ever seen. So I didn't I didn't believe Matt and Jesse until they gave me all their footage and all the trail camera data, but this is nuts. Um, they got Phantom on their first picture on October 18th. Uh, Phantom is a 168-inch deer with a 6-inch drop time that they killed off the ground um, at 20 yards. And Jesse laid it all down. Matt got the credit again, like a fucker. But <laughs> they killed him. They got the first trail camera picture on the 18th. Got another picture on the 27th. Got another picture on the on the 6th or the 7th. 
and they killed him on the 16th, which I believe was the opening day of gun. of gun season. Listen to this, everybody. And this is what I mean by the devil's in the details. That deer showed up every nine days. They got a picture on the first of the nine-day cycle, second, third, and on the fourth nine-day cycle day, they picked up and they said, this deer's coming in here every nine days. The fourth nine-day cycle, they got him with a gun. That's nuts. That is nuts. That's why you should uh, analyze That's something your trail that you're not camera even pictures. Thinking about. You're like, man, nine days. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh, he's here. He's back. You don't, you Every nine, like, up. clockwork. That's cool. So that just goes to show you, you know, if you're hunting a small property or property that's quote unquote junk by most people's standards during, you know, November, man, all you need is that, all you need is that tree. All you need is that one day. So go out there and, and make something happen. You can't kill them sitting on the couch. So that's uh, my word of advice, I guess. All right. You know what, you know what we normally say, right? Yeah. Leave a legacy. Always do the right thing. And white till legacy's out. <laughs>